The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is Thursday. May 12th right now here. Um, it is 6.45. I just scarfed down some food, so I'll probably have indigestion. So sorry if I burp. I'll edit them out, though. <laughs> um, for the weather update today, it is really hot here. Not really hot, but for the time of year, I feel like it's hot. It's almost like 80 degrees in New York. And I'm in a little room, and it's hot. So as usual, just know I'm probably pretty sweaty. <laughs> it's raining here as, as usual. Like I remember just the last year it just has rained so much before that it would hardly ever rain we had a drought and all that but now we're just in the thick of the rain at the moment so fun times I feel like it's been really nice here during the week and then of course on the weekends it's like shitty and cold and rainy like it's gonna rain this weekend rain it was cold and rainy last weekend too it's um Friday here but I think tomorrow is actually meant to be really nice which is exciting and warm because now we're in fall or autumn so it's nice to have a few warm days still yeah and and your your dog Daisy <laughs> likes to hang out in in the yard in this weather <laughs> so when it's not raining every time I come home I find Daisy out we, we have like five acres where we live so um, every time I come home I find Daisy out on the lawn and she's made a little friend <laughs> an echidna I don't know if you guys all know what an echidna is but it's basically an Australian hedgehog or porcupine <laughs> it's, got, it's got spikes um, <clears throat> and I think because it's been raining so much there's so many grubs and worms in the lawn which is why it's hanging around but literally they just hang out together all day <laughs> she just like it, it moves quite slowly so she sits and watches it and then when it moves a little bit she gets up and moves with it it is the funniest weirdest thing like she's a one-year-old labrador puppy who you would think oh maybe she'll you know attack this animal or you know not but she's just so gentle she just watches it <laughs> it's hilarious <laughs> my husband reckons she's protecting it I don't know if that's true or not but it's very very cute well, Labradors are supposed to be nice at least yeah and like the thing is she's she's lovely but she's just very high energy like she would love to play with it and be rough kill with it, it by but, accident <laughs> yeah that's like she loves to play with bugs and essentially she ends up kill, killing them not because she means to but like she bats them with a paw and she just wants them to play essentially and that doesn't end up well but even yesterday it was so cute because we've called the echidna Elmo the kids have named it Elmo <laughs> and I said to her where's Elmo and she got a ball and she ran down and that, like dropped the ball near Elmo I'm like that's that's not gonna work oh, one day <laughs> what, I hope that it doesn't just like stop showing up one day I know I know and every day like because when it, it doesn't seem to come out in the rain it must not like the rain so every time I see it I'm like oh I'm so glad it's back but I'm assuming there's going to be a time when it doesn't and it moves on somewhere else so that would be very sad but it's not like pr- prickly is it like will it prick the daisy well I don't know I don't know if it, I, I think it would have if it was going to by now like it does have spikes I don't know how it works like when it, like I see it walking and when an, when an adult or a person goes near it it curls up in a ball like obviously that's like a defense thing but yeah. it doesn't seem to do that when Daisy is around it. <laughs> so I don't know maybe it trusts her <laughs> yeah because I know like with hedgehogs they just have the spikes but then like porcupines here they like will shoot them or whatever it, it doesn't sh- I, I'm pretty sure I'm just googling can it or they like detach here? or something 
Um, yeah. Everyone's going to message me, be like, you're an idiot, they don't shoot their spikes. <laughs> it says, if you disregard their spikes, male echidnas are lovers, not fighters. <laughs> so I don't think they shoot the spikes, but I'm assuming they could hurt you if they needed to. Yeah. Yeah. Like if she turned on her. <laughs> anyway, it's very cute. Well, when this episode comes out, um, I'll remind Olivia to post a photo of the besties. <laughs> it's so funny. Like anytime my husband comes home during the day, he sends me a photo of them just hanging out on the grass together. Just sitting in the sun. <laughs> it's very sweet. Yeah. All right. So we're just going to get right into this one because it's, it's a big one. A lot going on. It's probably going to be kind of long. Not maybe not I don't know, but we're gonna get right into it anyways. Um, <laughs> so this is our highly anticipated episode about Vicky White and Casey White, and I feel like you have to be have had to be living under a rock if you haven't heard of this case or at least seen their pictures. Maybe not know their names, just kind of heard of it in passing. But this is the story about how Vicky White, the corrections officer, broke out a prisoner, Casey White out of jail and then they went on like a road trip <laughs> manhunt <laughs> i really and thought when this ended one started, in catastrophe <laughs> when this one started it would be over super quickly like i'm like are they going to be found in a day or two and then when they weren't and then it just got crazier and crazier it is a really like this this one made the news a lot here all the way in australia so i feel like a lot of people would know this one or like be at least familiar with the basics of the case yeah or like seeing their photos in yeah. passing because it was like online everywhere. It was in the news, but yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. So we're gonna get into it. We're gonna, as usual, start from the beginning, kind of go through it chronologically as best we can, and then we'll chat at the end. I mean, we chat throughout the episode too, but we usually go over all the opinions and stuff at the end. When um And one thing that's, I guess, kind of important just to give you an idea of the structure of the episode is that when we started the notes, there was no resolution to this case. It was still ongoing. It's just been in the last few days that there's been a resolution and an ending. So it really is starting from the start as we learned it, essentially. Yeah, even in the last episode about Melissa Lucio, which came out today at the time of recording this, we were still saying how, like, they haven't been caught. <laughs> like, maybe we'll do an episode on them. But anyway. times have changed. <laughs> Definitely. There's been a big update. Also, I'll just say before we start, actually, I'm having the worst allergies, so sorry if I'm also sniffly or sound congested. <laughs> that was so, me for the last few weeks. Now it's your turn. I love how this episode so far I've said that I have probably going to have indigestion because I <laughs> had to eat so fast. I'm sweaty and I'm also sniffly. <laughs> I swear I'm not disgusting. Um, all right. So now let's get into it. Now that I've forewarned everyone. We think we know the ones closest to us. What they're thinking. What makes them tick. How far they're willing to go. Until we don't. Alert went off and we were just like in Florence, Alabama. This is not the Vicky White we know. A corrections officer with a secret. A double life with a dangerous criminal. You know, he's already killed one. Now, fugitives on the run. He is the worst case scenario for a fugitive hunt. Tonight, a web of lies unraveling. 
revealing a hidden relationship, a calculated escape plan. He would have brought him right down this hallway. You were in the jail. Mm -hmm. I never thought that she would, you know, break any kind of rules like that. And a betrayal so deep, so shocking, it feels like fiction. So news of this case started to break on the day that it happened, which was April 29th, 2022. And that was a Friday. And this all happened in Lauderdale County, Alabama. News article said that corrections officer Vicki White had gone missing after transporting an inmate to court. The release said, um, authorities said Vicki, do you hear my cat? Yeah. (laughs) So annoying. I'm trying to put her in my lap and she's refusing and she's standing (laughs) under the microphone meowing. Come on. Don't just stand here. You're wasting our time. <laughs> All right. Whatever. Authorities said Vicki White, who is the assistant director of corrections, left the detention center Friday at 9.30 a.m. to transport Casey Cole White to the county courthouse. We're told they haven't been seen since leaving the detention center. The two have no relation. Investigators found the transport vehicle in the parking lot of a shopping center. White is in jail on capital murder charges. Authorities said no one knew the two were missing until 3.30 p.m. If you come across Vicki and Casey, contact the Lauderdale, Lauderdale County Sheriff's Office or dial 911. Vicki was 57 years old and Casey is 38, according to what we've seen. And Vicki had been working at the Sheriff's Office for 25 years as of April 2022. A blue alert was issued for Vicki and a lot of people were commenting, asking what that was, saying they never heard of it. And we looked it up and a blue alert notification signals when a law enforcement officer is hurt or killed on duty at the hands of someone who could still harm the public. It's a rare alert, which is why most people probably haven't heard of it before, but it's not new. It's been in place for around 10 years. Um, so Sheriff Rick Singleton made these comments about Vicki. He said all of her co-workers, all the employees in the sheriff's office, the judges, all have the utmost respect for her. She has an unblemished record. She's an exemplary employee, so we're very concerned for her safety. Almost no one could have suspected that Vicki White, the longtime assistant director of corrections in Lauderdale County, Alabama, had such a secret dark side. What is Vicki like? Solid was my word for. Um, so when this happened, it was such a shock. But she was not a big talker, is not a big talker, but got things done. Lauderdale County District Attorney Chris Connolly has worked with Vicki for 16 years. Yeah, it's like the stages of grief. You say this unbelievable, this didn't happen. And then, um, you know, you get to the point where I am now, which is, which I'm mad that she did this. Inmates inside the jail are also shocked. This woman just bonded out. Did you ever get a weird vibe from her when you were in jail? No, not at all. Like she, uh, no, I I never did. I never thought that she would, uh, you know, break any kind of rules like that. Um, You know, she, she was the person you could go to if you uh, were having problems with any kind of COs or anything like that. Having been in jail, are you surprised that she was able to get him out like that? No. Mm-mm. Why not? Because uh, the it's chaos here. As some background into Casey, he was already in jail for capital murder, among other things. And in 2015, he confessed to the murder of a woman named Connie Ridgeway. So not great circumstances, considering he's already a murderer. Connie had been found stabbed to death in her apartment in Rogersville, Alabama, on October 23, 2015. Um, This info about Casey's criminal background is from WHNT.com, and it outlines how Casey was charged with capital murder after he confessed. 
So at this time, he was actually already in jail for other crimes, too. Authorities arrested Casey White and charged him with two counts of capital murder. One of those counts is for murder during a first-degree burglary and one count of murder for pecuniary gain. White is currently in the Lauderdale County Jail with no bond set. White was arrested in December of 2015 for a crime spree that covered two counties, one in Alabama and one in Tennessee. It started with an armed home invasion. Two vehicles were hijacked at gunpoint. One victim was shot in the arm. And this was followed by a chase where speeds reached more than 100 miles per hour, ended with a stolen car stuck in a field south of Huntsville. Former Limestone County Sheriff Mike Blakely says he remembers a night he arrested Casey back in 2015 that landed him locked up for 75 years. They all had their guns pointed at Casey. He standing out in the middle of the road, had two 40 caliber Glock pistols, one stuck to each one of his temples, threatening to kill himself. In that moment, he says Casey had one request. Just put the gun down. He told me to call his mama and tell her he loved her. I, I said, Casey, everything's going to be fine. Nobody's going to die tonight. And he said, oh, yeah. He said, I'm going to make y'all kill me. Blakely calling it a one-night crime spree. In fact, he invaded his ex-girlfriend's home, hijacked vehicles, and led police on a chase. He says Casey even shot his ex-girlfriend's dog to death. He turns around, and she had a Doverman there in her house that was her pet. And he shot and killed the dog. So he had no problem with shooting a dog? Casey is uh, unstable mentally, and he also is very dangerous when he is uh, on drugs. So pretty crazy (laughs) not a great guy you can tell you know he wasn't in jail just as a one-off thing he was a bad guy or he's a bad guy yeah dangerous reckless yeah and also i know i just said white i'll try to not say white because both their last names are white (laughs) so i'll try to distinguish casey vicky it's caused a lot of confusion them both having the same name but as far as we know yeah they're definitely not related her ex-husband his last name was White, which is where White came from for her. Yeah. So Casey was arraigned in 2020 for the murder of Connie Ridgway, and he attempted to escape during that time. Casey White pleaded not guilty by reason of mental disease for the killing of Connie Ridgway, according to the Lauderdale County District Attorney, Chris Connolly. He says before the arraignment hearing, Casey was allegedly found with a shank. Connolly said Casey intended to escape and take someone hostage. So so really, we got like so many different crimes here. We got murder, (laughs) robbery, hostages, trying to break out of jail for the first time. And that was a few years ago. So, you know, yeah, it's not like it, it was just a few months ago. He's obviously been had these thoughts for a while, maybe. Yeah. Um, we didn't really talk too much about Vicky's past and history because there isn't essentially very much. From what I've read, um, she had no, she has no children. Um, she d- does have an ex-husband whose last name is White. He passed away fairly recently from Parkinson's disease, I believe. I also believe, though, they split up a long time before he died. I have read that she still was his caregiver. I don't know if that's true, but anyway, essentially her ex-husband has passed away um, from a medical cause I don't think there's any dispute of that and basically there was not much else she worked at the jail for 25 years she you know has no criminal record just seemed to be a reliable employee and a you know member of the community but yeah there's not too much else that we've found out about her yet simple life as far as we know yeah I think so definitely like she you know like what the sheriff said at the start she's got an unblemished record she showed up every day at the jail I think she worked at the jail for 17 years and she worked for the sheriff's office for 25 years so um you know I think that this sounds like it was so unexpected and out of the ordinary for her to have taken part in all this yeah 
So from there, we learned Vicky said she was dropping Casey off for a mental health evaluation. And she also told her colleagues that she had a doctor's appointment that afternoon because she wasn't feeling well. So she probably wouldn't be returning to work later that day. Um, There were no appointments scheduled that day for Casey or Vicky, of course. So it was a policy of the sheriff's office that an inmate should not be transported by a single corrections officer. Her colleagues said that Vicky was definitely aware of that policy. So clearly she broke that also. I guess it's the least of the problems in the end. I've seen a lot of people say, like, why why did they let her, you know, I think that she was just such a um, respected kind of member of the team that no one thought to question her. They just assumed that she would be doing it with someone, like, you know, doing the right thing, following the right protocol. Which it seems is like why... she was some sort of, like, management technically, yeah, actually. Yeah. She like was I... in charge of Definitely. something. She was the director assistant director of corrections so you know sounds pretty legit to me (laughs) so we also we also learned that vicky had sold her house in lexington alabama just 12 days before this incident and she sold it for ninety five thousand five hundred fifty five dollars which is apparently way below the market value people were saying i mean especially in this economy as we all know (laughs) um some comments have said that the tax price on the house was two hundred and five thousand dollars um, and I've seen that she took such a low offer because she, the person could pay cash Yeah, and she just that, wanted the cash. The online auction for the house is actually still online. So I've put it on the blog. So if you want to have a look, it says, um, three bedroom, two bath home on 4.25 acres in the Green Hill community, just North of Florence, Alabama. This property has a nice home that was originally a double wide mobile home on a permanent foundation. Got a large, like it goes on and on talks about it and there's photos. So, um, it's quite, it's very neat. It's very tidy. It's also very sparse. Like there's, I don't know if she'd cleaned it out before the auction, um, but basically there's not much decoration. There's a, one interesting thing is there's a photo of, I assume is her bedroom and there's a tanning bed in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah. I've read that she liked to tan. So you can check out the photos. There's tons of them on the, um, auction website and on the blog. So if you want to have a look at what her house was like, um, before it sold. I wonder who's going to get the tanning bed now. <laughs> um, so it was. It looks like it was listed on February 10th, and it closed on February 24th. Casey was transferred from a different jail to the jail that she worked at on February 25th. So he was originally somewhere else. Yeah. So the timing seems very convenient for all this to start, you know, the motions to start happening. Just after she sold her house and about a week before the escape, Vicky purchased a 2007 Ford Edge vehicle that was a bright orange color. Um, there's a lot of comments online early in the case about Vicky retiring from her job around the time this happened as well. Some of the comments say that she turned in her retirement papers. Others say that she'd been just considering it. And there's one article from WAAY News that says Friday, April 30th was meant to be Vicky's final day at work. And they reported that she told colleagues that she was going to go to the beach. And we've since learned that Vicky spent the night of April 28th at the Quality Inn in Lauderdale County. She drove the Ford Edge there and left it parked within walking distance of the hotel. So authorities managed to establish a timeline for April 29th. And this timeline, it wasn't released publicly until like a week after the disappearance. So it's important to include it here just so we have like a rundown of kind of how it all went down. But at the time this all actually happened, there wasn't this like firm timeline yet. We really didn't know much of anything until a bit later on. 
So on April 29th at 8.47, Transport Van 5 leaves the Lauderdale County Detention Center with seven inmates escorted by two deputies. Then at 8.56 a.m., Transport Van 2 leaves the detention center with five inmates escorted by two deputies. So as you see, there's two deputies also. 9.20 a.m., Assistant Director Vicki White instructs Corrections Deputy to prepare inmate Casey White for transport to courthouse. Deputy removes Casey from his cell, takes him to booking, and handcuffs him and shackles his legs. At 9.41, Vicky leaves the detention center with Casey en route to the courthouse for, quote, a mental health evaluation. Prior to leaving, she tells booking officer that she's the only deputy available who is firearm certified and she is dropping him off to the other deputies at the courthouse. Vicky says she's then going to Med Plus from there because she isn't feeling well. At 11.34 a.m., a Florence Police Department officer spots the vehicle parked among other cars left on a lot that's for sale. The officer is unaware of the situation involving Vicky and Casey. I think just important for this one too, we didn't know about this till even later than a week, maybe after or, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. but this did happen on the same day that now that we know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the police didn't even know for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, in Bethsida, Williamson County, Tennessee, someone reports an abandoned 2007 Ford Edge on the side of a road in a sparsely populated area. 2.37 p.m., the car found locked with nothing inside is towed to a lot and left there. At this point, Lauderdale County officials don't know that Vicki and Casey are even missing yet, and they don't have a description of a suspect vehicle. So basically, if that seems confusing, Casey and Vicki ditched the car. The car was found by a different police department, and they just towed it like normal. But at this time, the police in Alabama didn't even know that Vicki and Casey were missing yet to be looking for this car. And then later, when they are looking for this car, they didn't realize for a bit that, like, this other police department had already towed it before this whole thing even started, really. <laughs> so, but we'll circle circle back to that later. And one other thing, too, that I've found kind of important to note is that this timeline that we found online, and we've link- we'll link the source in the blog, does say that there was nothing found inside the car, but there was a few things found in the car, which we'll go into later as well. Nothing, like there was no blood or anything like that. It yeah. was just some items were found in the car. Nothing too exciting, so don't get no. your hopes up. <laughs> 3.30, the booking officer reports to administration that they've been trying to contact Vicky to check on her and that her phone is going directly to voicemail. Coworkers have planned a retirement party complete with cake and gifts. The officer also advises that Casey White hadn't returned to the detention center with the other inmates. I wonder why they still had their retirement party, even though she said she was sick. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That was nice of them. Yeah. I'd be so annoyed if I was one of the coworkers who got, like, a frigging cake, and then you find out (laughs) she went and, like, broke out a prisoner from jail. I'd be like, I I bought you a cake. (laughs) Whatever. More cake for them. (laughs) The administrator immediately contacts the sheriff's office, and officers begin a search of the courthouse to determine if Casey White is still there. Really, he was never there. <laughs> Within several minutes, it's determined he's not there and that no court appearance or evaluation had even been scheduled. At 5.30 p.m., U.S. Marshals, FBI, ATF, Secret Service, and, AL- and ALEA joined the investigation. On May 1st, U.S. Marshals announced that there was a $10,000 reward for Casey White's return. They said... The U.S. Marshal Service is requesting assistance in locating 38-year-old Casey White. White is wanted for escape. White went missing from Lauderdale County, Alabama. Sheriff's Office. Custody. 
long <laughs> sentence. <laughs> White went missing from Lauderdale County Sheriff's Office's custody on April 29, 2022. He may be in the company of a female LCSO correctional officer who is considered by law enforcement to be missing and endangered. Casey has a lengthy criminal record, including homicide, robbery, and kidnapping. And then it gives the usual tip line information. The next day, two days, on May 3rd, U.S. Marshals announced a warrant had been issued for Vicki White for facilitating an escape and a $5,000 reward was offered. So this was kind of when this all happened, everyone was like, oh, no, like, did he like abduct her or like take her against her will or did she break him out? So this was the first time when we were kind of like, whoa, she like broke him out of jail. <laughs> So Sheriff Rick Singleton says investigators believe Vicki White had a, quote, special relationship with Casey, which, like, pains me to say special relationship. <laughs> That's so cringy. <laughs> like, why not just relationship? <laughs> yeah. Or, like, romantic relationship even. I, like, what does special relationship even mean? <laughs> like, I want, I want specifics. <laughs> he revealed that she was contacting him by phone when he was in prison. So I guess in that other prison, right? Yeah, in the other prison. And I have read some comments online which haven't really been substantiated yet that maybe she did know Casey prior to him being in jail or, you know, because I've read that maybe it was like her ex-husband's cousin's, I don't know, so like some kind of, you know, six degrees of separation relation, not blood related, but she did know of him, which is maybe how they ended up getting in touch in the first place. Yeah, like why else would they stop talking? She didn't work. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but that that hasn't been confirmed yet. It might it might be eventually, or maybe it's just gossip and rumor. So yeah, that's like stuff I want to know. Is like, how did they even start talking? Yeah, I know. What did they talk about? I want <laughs> to see the messages or the phone calls. Another comment I've read online too is that Vicky, even though we've spoken about how reliable and you know respected she was, and this also could be gossip, is that she was known to be close with some other inmates as well. You know, whether or not it's true, we don't know, but maybe this was just kind of a known thing amongst the group. I don't know. Yeah, I was reading some comments on Reddit as I always am. I was reading a thread about this case and some people on there were like corrections officers or worked in jails and they were actually like, you'd be surprised how many like corrections officers or jail staff actually hook up with the inmates. <laughs> and I was like, e. <laughs> yikes. Yeah, I know. The sheriff said he believed their special special I can't even say it. <laughs> believed their special relationship started in 2020. He says, as far as we know, that was the earliest physical contact they had. So they must have started talking before that. Or unless like he's saying that that's when they ran into each other or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I could you could read it either way, probably. I don't know. Yeah. Around this time, the sheriff also confirmed publicly that Vicky had been terminated from her job. It would no longer be eligible to receive her retirement. Uh, when someone asked if she was formally terminated, he said, why, absolutely. I mean, yeah, of course, we haven't had time to do the paperwork. But yes, her employment is over with Lauderdale County Sheriff's Office. The Lauderdale County Sheriff's Office also confirmed Vicky was no longer employed by the Lauderdale County Sheriff's Office in a statement to AL.com. And they said... This is not the Vicky White we know by any stretch of the imagination. I wonder what would happen if she waited, got the pension, and then did some bullshit. Like, but then well, she retired and wouldn't have access to break them out. Yeah, and I've read too that once you commit a felony, apparently you're not eligible for the pension anymore. And I'm assuming that is the same if you are still receiving the pension. Damn. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't yeah. kind of you don't get it if you go to jail after you've become eligible. 
Yeah. I would kill for a pension. (laughs) (laughs) The sheriff also said everybody thought she was going to retire. No one saw this coming. He also confirmed that Vicky likely had a 9mm handgun on her at the time of her escape. I think that her knowledge of corrections and her knowledge of, of uh, the procedures that, that we use here in the sheriff's office on transport uh, uh, most definitely played to her advantage. I think this was a very well thought out plan. So on May 6th, we learned that the Ford Edge that Vicky purchased before this incident had been found abandoned. So this is what we were talking about before. So it was found that day on April 29th. Yeah, so it was really found on April 29th, but police and us didn't find out that until May 6th that that car had already been impounded. And that was related to this case, yeah. Yeah, so a little behind from the get-go here. Also, just to note, her car's been reported as being either a Ford Edge or a Ford Escape. From the photos, it definitely seems like it's an Edge. I've seen some photos where it actually says Ford Edge on the like badge thing. So yeah, I'm, pretty, yeah, I'm certain it's a Ford Edge. <laughs> so like we said, the car is not abandoned on May 6th. It had been abandoned on April 29th, just hours after Vicky and Casey made their escape. They'd apparently driven the car 100 miles over to the Tennessee border before dumping it. And before dumping it, they had a shitty plan to try to disguise the car, it seems, by spray painting the bright orange car green and then realized this was a terrible job and it looked terrible. You could, There's pictures of it. It's like... <laughs> it's such... Like, they've literally painted maybe a... Like, it's a patch above the wheel and kind of near the back light. And you could um, tell they were holding the spray can spray why can't i say this the the can like they're holding it way too close to the car so it's just like a very concentrated small area at a time i feel like this is such an interesting part because they obviously spent a long time planning this but then just some things don't make sense like why would she buy a bright orange car you know why why their plan was to spray paint it and dump it like just some of the things were really not thought out very well yeah i guess you you don't think of the small details in your Mm. big escape but yeah, so the pictures will be on the blog. It, it looks, it's probably one of the more embarrassing parts of this whole thing. <laughs> and this is the other thing we we're talking about before. So Vicky's keys, jail radio, and handcuffs were found in the Ford. So not nothing was found in the Ford. A few things were, but like I said, nothing overly exciting, but just kind of more proof that this was their car. This info about the car being discovered is from AL.com. It says Williamson County Sheriff's officials said the vehicle was reported abandoned on Friday, April 29th, the day the two made their getaway. Sheriff's officials in Tennessee also said there were no tags on the vehicle and it was locked. A search of the area where it was found was conducted Friday morning and Williamson County Sheriff's officials said on Twitter, there's no sign that the two are still in our area. Lauderdale County Sheriff Rick Singleton said that investigators learned the wanted vehicle, which was recently purchased by Vicki White, was reported abandoned on a rural county road just before 2 p.m. that Friday and towed at 2.37. Singleton, the sheriff, he said that he assumed that the pair had mechanical problems with the edge, which caused them to abandon it where they did. My gut is telling me that uh, they're on the, they're obviously on the run, and um, you know that they're probably right now. You know, I, I think the fact that that they abandoned this car so quick and where they abandoned it, I think it threw them a curve. I don't think they planned for that. He said it was abandoned in the middle of nowhere on a county road where it would be found. Somebody would obviously see it sitting on the side of the road and call it in, which is what happened. 
Um, he said somebody might have given them a ride. They could have walked and then stolen a vehicle. No one knew they were missing at the time. This was a well thought out, calculated plan. We're sort of at a loss. They probably abandoned it because they realized a bright orange car was fucking <laughs> stupid. Now also covered in spray paint. <laughs> I guess someone asked what he would say to Vicky, or he said, I would say to Vicky, you know we're going to find you. Hopefully we find you safe. If you're safe right now, get out while you can. So when the news of the car broke, we also learned that authorities believed Vicky had a lot of cash on her. She visited many banks in the days before her disappearance and withdrew around $90,000 in cash, which is the money that came from the sale of her house. Sheriff Singleton also said that Vicky had recently purchased an AR-15 weapon as well as a shotgun. So around May 6, we learned that the investigation into the death of Casey's ex-girlfriend was being reopened. His ex-girlfriend is a woman named Christy Shelton. She allegedly took her life in 2008. Casey was with her when she apparently shot herself in the chest with a sword-off shotgun. Christie's family have said they never believed that story, though. Um, Michelle Williamson with the Limestone County Sheriff's Office has confirmed that investigators are going to re-examine the case. And Christie's case isn't the only kind of additional weird side story to this. On October 27, 2017, Stephen White, who is Casey's half-brother, went missing and is still missing to this day. Um, This info is from the Lawrence County Sheriff's Office. It says, The Sheriff's Office needs your help with a missing person investigation. Stephen Patrick White was last seen Friday, October 27, 2017 in Town Creek, Alabama. Stephen White was reported to have walked away from the house around 4 p.m. and he walked into the woods. Mr. White has not been seen since. Multiple searches have been conducted and they ask anyone with information about his whereabouts to contact the Sheriff's Office. At the time, I thought, wow, that's a bit of a coincidence that he's missing. Casey was in prison at the time, though, that Stephen disappeared. So I guess he couldn't have been involved. It's just kind of another weird, random side note to this story. Still just seems like a lot going on in this guy's life. <laughs> like a girlfriend, ex-girlfriend suicided, brother missing. <laughs> like it's just, this, yeah, it's crazy. Um, so on May the 6th also, Governor Kay Ivey announced that she was offering a $5,000 reward for both Vicky and Casey. Um, they said that the Lauderdale County District Attorney's Office had asked for the maximum reward available and the governor okayed it within an hour. The reward, though, was limited to private citizens who are not members of or employees of any government law enforcement agency. So that's um, the maximum? Apparently so. <laughs> Seems very low. <laughs> Um, so at that time too, there were some interesting articles that had some information from the Human Behaviour Academy president, Susan Constantine, and she spoke about kind of Vicky's plans and Vicky's um, behaviour, I guess, in the time leading up to this. She said, it was really obvious to me what was going on here it was planned out methodical and she had played it out in her mind, even to where she would parked the car. She was prepared. They spoke about her waddling gait, which is a bit, <laughs> I've seen that mentioned a lot, um, that she kind of waddled a bit. Um, so rude. Yeah, no, they were so rude to Vicky. But it says, her waddling gait as she stepped out of her car and walked in to retrieve Casey shows that she was, quote, rough around the edges and somewhat masculine. Um, Susan Constantine also said she doesn't seem to have a care in the world. Her strive movements are just at ease and there is not a sense of franticness or rapid movement. So in this case, there is a lot of CCTV that's been released. Um, There was footage of Vicky leading Casey into the car to escape. And so it's all on the blog if you want to check it out. On May 8, police released footage of Vicky from the morning that she disappeared. She's at the hotel, I believe. She's kind of wearing like a black 
sweater or a jump, you know, I call it a jumper. Um, it just gives you like more of an idea of what she looked at, at, looked like at the time. One of her former colleagues, Tyson Johnson, also spoke to the media at this time. <laughs> he was pretty savage. He said, Vicky used the tanning bed a lot. She may have been 57, but she looked 75. The photos that they're releasing of her, there are filters. They're all bright on her face, but it's not showing the true her. A lot of people and former employees said if Vicky dyed her hair gray and put on some old lady clothes and glasses, she could walk right by you and you would never know. Damn. Yeah. And I've no seen wonder why us- she was like, fuck y'all, I'm leaving. <laughs> But there are some people who knew Vicky who are not as surprised. Right now, we're going to meet up with one man uh, who worked with Vicky at the jail. Nobody is surprised. Nobody from there that had worked that has worked with her in the past is surprised. Vicky was Tyson Johnson's boss for seven years at the jail before he says he was wrongfully terminated. He says she is smart and calculated and has a dark side. Where do you think she is right now? That's a good question. She, uh, that is a very good question. Uh, honestly, I don't think she'll be found. Like, she is calculated enough that she has thought this entire thing out. She definitely outsmarted the sheriff. She outsmarted the administrator of the jail. And also, Vicki used the tanning bed a lot and laid out in the sun. And uh, Vicki may have been 57 years old, but she looked 75. The photos that they're releasing of her, there's a filter, they're all bright uh, on the face because it's not showing the true her. A lot of people, former employees that have called me, it's like, if Vicky dyed her hair gray and put on some old lady clothes and glasses, you, she could walk right by you and you would never know it. Um, I saw like there was some kind of progression photos of what she might look like with, you know, more wrinkles or gray hair or brown hair and, you know, yeah, it wasn't very nice. Um, a former U.S. Marshals commander also spoke at the time and said that the couple may have split up in an attempt to evade authorities. His name is Lenny DePaul and he said they would be fools to leave the country. That would be a dumb move. It, um, and basically that because this case was so high profile, Interpol working on it and they basically had all resources that they needed. He said, you've got to rem- remember Interpol, 186 countries under them, we work well with our international folks. We have an international branch within the Marshal Service and we're on the ground within several countries. The US Marshals also released some more photos at that time of Casey's tattoos and his appearance. He has um, many of his tattoos can be linked to white supremacy groups, including the Southern Brotherhood, which is reportedly a white supremacist prison gang. The Lauderdale County District Attorney Chris Connolly spoke to News Nation and said that they had a theory that Vicky might be rolling Casey around dressed as a woman in a wheelchair. This is, I think, the theory behind this is because Casey is six foot nine, and when you see photos of him now, he is enormous, like he's a monster. So yeah, scary. If you saw him walking down the street, I feel like you'd look at him anyway. If I saw him walk down the street, I'd be terrified. Yeah, he's a big guy. So I think that the theory was that maybe he was in a wheelchair to kind of minimize his size. Um, and they also said that Vicky, as we mentioned, may be disguising herself as an elderly woman with a grey wig and they re- um, revealed that she'd used aliases in the past and the two aliases were April Davis and Renee Marie Maxwell. Um, I believe that she purchased maybe the Ford Edge using one of those aliases as well, which is why they've made them public. It's crazy how different Casey White looks in like all these different photos. There's a bunch of mugshots of him and he they all look like different people almost. And he he does like his weight has fluctuated a lot over the years and yeah, mm-hmm. he does look different in a lot of the images. Yeah, like 
Some of them, he doesn't even look like the same person. So Vicky's mother, Pat Davis, spoke to the media at that time too. I would had read too that Vicky had been living with her mother since the sale of the house. Um, so they, it seems like they were close. I feel really sad for her mother in all this. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, as a mother, I didn't know how to act because at thir- I thought at first it was a mistake and then I, when I found out for sure it was, I was just in disbelief. I lie in there at night and you can't get it off your mind and then when you wake up, you do fall asleep. When, sorry, when you wake up, if you do fall asleep, that's the first thing you think of. You know, if you've got a kid and she's out there, it's just like she's in danger and we don't know where she's at. So some of the theory about why Vicky had stayed in the hotel the night before the escape was that she was too afraid or too ashamed to kind of face her mother and, you know, just, I guess, needed to just be alone, not have the distraction before the plan was carried out. And didn't want to feel guilty. Yeah. Pat also said, you know, I've never heard of him, speaking about Casey, never seen his picture, nothing. I don't know anything about him. And she said, she's never done anything. I bet, I mean, she's never even had a speeding ticket. She's always been a good person and this is a shock. And she said, we just want her home. We'll go pick her up if she'll just call and tell us to come and get her. We'll go pick her up. So Casey's mother then also spoke to the media. Her name is Connie White. Uh, she said, I just have no idea why they've painted him as a monster. <laughs> she, said, <laughs> she said she spoke to her to Casey the day before he vanished and everything was, quote, perfectly fine. She said the only reason he came to Lauderdale County, and this is in regards to him moving to Vicky's prison or jail, was to get out of the prison that he was in. He wrote a letter to say that he murdered that woman, but he didn't really murder her. He just wanted to get back up here. He wanted to be out of that prison because it was so bad and there was no food. When they asked Connie if her son was dangerous, she said, I don't think so. He's not a monster. I'll put it that way. He's not the monster they are making him out to be at all. What a mom. (laughs) I know, in jail for kidnapping, capital murder, and he's still not a monster. Mm Mm-mm. So Casey's former lawyer also spoke to the media about his client and kind of his volatility. His name is Dale Bryant and he was Casey's public defender in 2019. He told the news that um, Casey could be drawn into a firefight with police if he wasn't on his medication. He said when Casey's on his medication and in jail in a structured environment, Casey's an all right guy. You'd never know he was a danger because he's medicated. When he's not, which is apparently the case when he tried to kill an ex-girlfriend, he took three people hostage and fatally shot a dog. The lawyer said anything could happen. When he's off his medication, he usually self-medicates through drugs, usually methamphetamine, and that's when things become a problem. Because even if you don't have a mental illness and you're on meth, you become paranoid, irrational, impulsive, and if you take someone with mental illness, it just exacerbates that. Not a good combo. No, and he also spoke about how Casey had expressed little will to live in the past. Um, When Casey went on his 2015 crime spree, the lawyer said Casey wanted to die. He was trying to get the officers to shoot him, and that is kind of my fear how this situation is going to end, which almost you know played out that way Mm. he said except for this time I'm afraid that Casey may try to shoot them to try and get them to shoot him I want to say in his interview after his arrest and in my conversations with him he wanted to die that day so at this point in time I actually kind of had a weird little suspicion that something might have be happening um the next day which would have been May 9 I didn't want to say anything because I thought I'm probably wrong this has been going on for so long it's probably never gonna end (laughs) so I woke up you at my usual 6.30 time-ish to a bunch of messages. Casey and Vicky had been spotted at a car wash in Evansville, Indiana. They released some new images of Casey from that location. The couple had been there on May 4. So this is like five days before it was made public. And they basically were in a truck and they'd left the truck sitting in the car wash bay. 
The media spoke to the car wash owner, James Stinson. He said, I noticed the car hanging out of the bay, which was unusual. It kept sitting there. Every time I left, it came back. The truck was still there. He said, I walked up to the truck and went, oh my God, it's probably this guy from Alabama. I walked and looked in the truck because I thought he could be dead, passed out, who knows? So I backed up, I opened the door, the keys are in it and I started it up. I Googled the local police department's number because I didn't want to call 911. He said, they sent a cop out. The cop says, well, there ain't nothing I can do. It's not reported stolen. He ran the plates and then he left and came back. He looked in it again and he found a gun lock in the seat. And he said, oh my God, there's a gun lock, but there ain't no guns around. So he left and he said, do what you've got to do. So I, he basically had it towed. Mm. So they, I feel like this was such a oversight by the police, really. Thankfully, Brian Enton was on the scene and went and interviewed um, Mr. Stinson and they looked like they became good friends. <laughs> I want to bring in uh, the manager of of, um, of this car wash, uh, James Stinson. Thanks for being with us, James. You really are the reason all this came to an end, and this has just been a wild week and a half. Um, tell me what you first spotted here at the car wash. Yeah, I first noticed on Tuesday, last Tuesday, a truck sticking out of the car wash bay. It's always unusual when one's sticking out. So I come over, looked at it, and I left. So, and this is about four in the afternoon on Tuesday, four, four thirty. So I left. Every time I'd leave and come back, the truck's still there. I leave, come back, the truck's still there. Leave and come even up late at night, the truck's still there. I go in, go to bed, I get up at six o'clock the next morning to take my granddaughter to school. The truck's still there. So I think I need to investigate. Once I get her to school, she gets out of my truck around seven thirty. I'm gonna come back and check it out. I come back. I walk up to the truck, I notice the windows are down, and my first thought is could be this guy from Alabama. He might be in there asleep, passed out, suicide, whatever. I'm kind of nervous about it, so I looked over in the truck, nobody's in it, I open the door, the keys are in the ignition, which I thought was unusual. I tried to start the truck, the truck started right up, so I know there was nothing wrong with the vehicle, so I left. I come back out, I got on my phone, I Googled the local police department's phone number because I didn't want to call 911. So I called them. I said, you need to send an officer out. I got a suspicious vehicle in my car. We'll have one right out. I go back to the bike. I'm dumping my trash. He never shows up. I got to go back and pick my daughter, granddaughter up at 10.30. I get her home. I come back, and my buddy's here and said, they ain't never showed up. I called him back. I said, uh, police officer never showed up. They said, yeah, they, they either had. He pulled up, and he ran the plate. It ain't stolen. So it wasn't stolen. That's what he That's interesting because that's new. We didn't know that. So maybe they bought it. Perhaps they bought it. No, no, no. Uh, It could be that. So in the images released, Casey does look thinner to me. I think he was wearing like a pinkish colored shirt. Um, You could tell it's him from his arm tattoos. Like I saw some side-by-side comparisons. It was definitely him. The car wash owner said that Vicky was there too, but for some reason they didn't release any images of her, which is interesting. Also, how fucking dumb of them to just leave their car in the car wash bay as if (laughs) no one's going to be like, hey, can you move this? I don't know. So that seemed like pretty big information anyway. Like, you know, people, we had a bit more of an idea about where they had been anyway within the last few days. But literally, as soon as that broke, there was something else that had happened. There was a sighting of Vicky and Casey at a motel in Evansville, Indiana. They were still in Evansville five days after this car wash sighting, which is so stupid. I know, so stupid. 
So the motel they're at is the Motel 41 in Evansville. Looks really nice. I found a review <laughs> online. It said, stayed here one night. Room had mold on the walls, holes in curtains and sheets, and an unidentifiable chemical odour. Before you ask, it was too late in the day to cancel my reservation and go elsewhere. In addition to my room deposit, I checked my bank account and after digging, found out that they've tried to charge me for a damaged TV that I did not even touch. I filed an official complaint, but I'm not hopeful. Do not stay here. <laughs> I love so, that you looked up a review to include. <laughs> I like to like get a you know picture of the set of the, the scene. set the mood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, police saw Vicky, who was wearing a wig apparently, and Casey leaving the motel, and they chased them. A U.S. marshal, I think the chase only went for like ten or fifteen minutes. A U.S. marshal drove his vehicle into the car that they were driving. Vicky called nine one one around this time. We'll put the clip in. It's a little bit not you know unintelligible but you can we'll put it in anyway and this is kind of the transcript that we've got from it vicky starts and it sounds like she says home so there was some speculation that maybe she was trying to use siri or whatever to call home but instead she called 911 the dispatcher says evansville 911 casey says oh my god and vicky says go go babe go and casey says babe they know that there's airbags if they want they'll kill us then Vicky says, Casey, and the dispatcher says, hello. And Vicky says, oh, God, airbags are going on. Let's just get out and run. Should have stayed in the fucking motel. Casey says, babe, I think this is it. And Vicky says, they'll kill us. And then there's a sound, which is maybe the crash or a gunshot, or we're not entirely sure what the actual sound is, but then you can hear the cops on their megaphones in the background saying, get your hands up and different things like that. Authorities managed to apprehend Casey very quickly. They've released a ton of dash cam and body cam footage as well. So you can see Casey getting out of the car. He's enormous. He towers over all the other guys. Um, Vicky had a gun in her hand and she shot herself in the head before authorities could pull her from the car. Um, there's a video of them pulling Vicky out of the car. They've blurred it so you can't see her injuries. You can see that her hair is darker in it. Um, and they haven't blurred her arm or her hand, which is white. Like it looks like that white, yellow color. It's definitely not a very healthy color. Um, I've also read some comments that the ambulance didn't turn the sirens on when they took Vicky to the hospital. And that's because she was essentially already dead, but they can't announce it publicly until they had spoken to her next of kin. Um, there were reports that Vicky, that Casey referred to Vicky as his wife and asked police to help her. And he also said that he wasn't the one to fire the shot. There's a quote from the commander of the Gulf Coast Regional Fugitive Task Force, Deputy Marshal Chad Hunt, and he said, Casey quickly surrendered and his immediate words to our team was, please help my wife. She just shot herself in the head. And I've heard him say something else like, I didn't do it, or you know, basically he's very quick to deny being the shooter. Um, we were told at the time that Vicky was in a serious condition in hospital. There were some tweets about, you know, they weren't able to comment on her condition. But a few hours after the standoff, we had learned that she did pass away. There's also been um, a big conspiracy online about did Casey shoot her or did she shoot herself? I feel like she 100% shot herself. Um, and I think this is one of those things that people are always just going to be like, but what if, or like yeah. find reasons to make a conspiracy of it. 
like one thing a lot of people are saying was like if you listen to the call or like read the transcript like she's trying to get away she doesn't sound like she wants to die but i think that yeah she was trying to get away but the walls closed in very quickly and she just made a panic quick decision of like fuck this and I also think she literally had nothing nothing left. She had no money. Yeah. She had no house. She knew she was going to go to jail. She knew what was going to happen to her in jail as a former corrections officer. And be so publicly fucking embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I, yeah. I just don't know what her end goal was, what she really thought was going to happen. Maybe this, maybe she knew it would end like this and this was just yeah. one last, you know, hurrah. hurrah. Yeah. And then I saw another, I don't know how true this is because I didn't look myself, but I did see some other people saying online that when the gun went off, like his hand or hands were out the window. So, yeah. I feel like, yeah. I, I went, like at the time, there was some comments like, you know, we cannot confirm that Vicky did pull the trigger, but, you know, I feel like I felt always like she did. Yeah, same. Um, so Casey was booked into jail at 1.42 a.m. on May 10. The same day, later on that day, police re- released information about what they found in the car. They found guns, wigs, and cash. They've released photos of the of kind of all the stuff they found, so that's in the blog. The couple had managed to spend over $61,000 in the 11 days that their escape lasted. There like was $20, how? <laughs> $29,000 cash was found in the vehicle. Like I guess they bought a few cars. They bought the truck. They bought the Ford Edge. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where else. Maybe drugs would be my other thing. Maybe. But still, it's a lot of money to spend in 11 days. Yeah. Um, Casey apparently also told authorities that the couple had planned to engage in a shootout with police and it may have been more deadly if their car hadn't been rammed. The Vanderburg County Sheriff Dave Wedding said, we later found out that they had not, if they had not rammed the vehicle, the fugitive was going to engage in a shootout with law enforcement. Casey also told police that the couple had remained in Evansville for so long because they were trying to plan their next move. They'd paid a homeless man to use his ID to make the motel reservation for two weeks for them. So this, their name wouldn't be tied to the booking. That was kind of a bit clever, I thought, but probably yeah. the cleverest thing they did, but still not clever to stay in one place for two weeks. Yeah. So Vicky's autopsy was conducted on the Tuesday as well, and she was confirmed to have died from a single self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. I saw a lot of comments like, why does she need an autopsy? You know, if she died from a gunshot wound, why are they doing an autopsy? I feel like they just always do one. Yeah, and I guess they wanted to, A, check that she was the shooter because, you know, you can tell by the trajectory and things like that, and maybe also if she had any pre-existing conditions that may have altered her mental state and made her more vulnerable or more you know erratic yeah and I'm guessing too they probably checked for drugs as well at the time of recording Casey is now back in Alabama he's been housed in the William E Donaldson Correctional Facility Vicky's obituary has been published online it's kind of sad like it's a sad basic I don't know if they're going to update it eventually but it says for now um Vicky Sue Davis White, 56, which is interesting too because all the reports at the start said she was 57. But anyway, Vicky Sue Davis White, 56, of Lexington, Alabama, passed away May 9, 2022. Vicky was the assistant director for the Lauderdale County Detention Center. Then it goes on to list she's survived by her mother, father, brothers, nephew, uncles, aunts, and special family. And then it also says that there's going to be a graveside service for Vicky this weekend, Saturday, May 14. Lots of people are leaving comments on her tribute wall, which I'm surprised they've left that open. But, um, yeah, you know, it's an interesting read. The obituary is linked on the blog if you want to go and have a look. So as of May 12, USA time, that's kind of it for the case. I don't know how much more information we will get. 
Um, maybe we'll learn something else about kind of Vicky's motivations if Casey tells or if she left some like, you know, some record of it. But yeah, I've just had a look. There's no really new news since, you know, since it's all happened. I do wonder as just like a random side thing if the jail or people who work at the jail could get in trouble because so many it's coming out that so many policies like weren't followed and like people knew things um so i wonder if that'll come out or if more i'd like to know more information in general like about their relationship their special relationship and how it started and like how they need to know everything it's so juicy i feel like it sounds like um that this type of thing happens a lot like you know, people turn a blind eye to this kind of thing if it's not really hurting anyone. Um, yes, people are like, not my business. I'm not getting involved. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> so I hope I do hope we learn more about that too. I do hope we learn how they met and if there was a prior connection, that would be interesting to know. I feel mm-hmm. like that jail and that sheriff's office especially are definitely going to be following protocol and procedure from now on 100%. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they only got even got caught just because they were dumb, like, the sheriff's yeah. office didn't really do much. Like I know it became like all these different states finally, but it was like they always seemed kind of like one step behind at least. Um, where I'd I don't love- even know if they would have found them. I'd love to know what their end game was. If they were already obviously plowing through their money, if they had one third of it left after eleven days, I would love to know. Maybe it was just going to be a short term. Let's just do it. Hey, let's just go for it and see what happens. Or if there was some long-term plan I feel like there wasn't a long-term plan if their plan was to stay in Evansville in a motel for 14 days while they figured out what to do um, I'd love to know this is like stuff that we will probably never find out but just the curious part of me is like I'd love to know what their relationship was like when they got out of jail did they like each other did they hate each other did they fight like well, it was it not like everything they'd imagined it was even with that 911 call where they call each other babe and he referred to her as his wife apparently like they i feel like they obviously liked each other um i don't know maybe they uh, they could have still been toxic and volatile and not you know all lovey-dovey i don't yeah. know but i feel like they didn't hate each other when they finally got together yeah i just love to know like the dynamics once they were out yeah, me too and like there's a big age gap like I know you know he's in jail and whatever but he's 38 and she's 57 so <laughs> I guess you, your options are limited when you're a prisoner but um yeah yeah and a lot of people were like oh he's gonna kill her I bet he's already killed her for some reason I that early on I was like I don't think he's gonna do it yet because I feel like he needs her to like mooch off of yeah absolutely he needed her money I, I like as as time went on I thought oh maybe he's killed her now just more yeah. money for himself um but yeah, he definitely needed her to start this whole plan carrying out. Yeah. Um, so Stephanie asked on Instagram if anyone had any questions or thoughts about this case. Um, or concerns. <laughs> or concerns. One, M's Koo says, was she mentally healthy otherwise? Any evidence of past psychiatric care? Not as far as we know yet, and it hasn't been made public. And, you know, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, all her kind of um, employees and the employer said how upstanding she was and how respected and what a shock this was. So I don't think so at this stage. Um, This isn't like proof of her having mental health issues or anything but just makes you think of and it's also just a reminder to all of us that yes it's easy with this case so it's been such like a spectacle to be like wow this this dumb asshole threw away her whole life pension everything she had for some yeah for some loser in jail that probably didn't even give a fuck about her but 
it makes me think of, you know, like how older people fall victims to scams of like Nigerian princes and these like scammy love stories and start sending this random person all their money. And it makes me wonder, like, is that going to happen to her? Was she very lonely in her life? She didn't have any kids. She um, wasn't married anymore. Like, was she just lonely and he took advantage of that? Or she kind of just like fell into this relationship and just thought that this seemed like a good idea. So even though, like I said, it's easy to make fun of because it's such an insane story. It is also sad because she did up until this point kind of seem like a average person, good employee who somewhat had her life together and just threw it all away unless like the opposite is maybe this is what she wanted she just yeah. wanted to go out with a bang I was thinking it's know. a bit kind of Thelma and Louise-ish like maybe she just thought I'm sick of this boring routine mundane life I've got nothing else to live for Why if that's not? it then good for her <laughs> <laughs> and Julie K Jones says does she have children I've seen conflicting reports I'm certain now that they've released her obituary that she doesn't have children there are none listed in that um mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was just her ex-husband who's now deceased and her mum essentially that were her close really close family yeah one Gia Lyle said how could she be left alone with him often enough to plan all of this I figure that my thoughts on that are that she didn't need him to plan she was the one who had to plan everything anyway all she had to plan was how to get him out in terms of kind of working with him on that Everything yeah. else was just reliant on herself. Yeah, that, and that does just make you wonder, like, is the jail going to look into their policies more of how they were able to communicate so much and have this special relationship? And monitoring, I guess, inmate and corrections officer interactions maybe. Yeah. There's lots of questions about her name and his name being the same. Um, I am 99.9% sure that they weren't married, um, legally married anyway, even though he referred to her as his wife. Um, Her last name is different to all the people in her her obituary, but I'm sure that's just because she has her ex-husband's name, which was also coincidentally white. And if there's some connection, they're not like closely related. Yeah, that's what I mean. There may be some way that they kind of knew each other through the white family, but they're not, I would say they're not married and they're not blood relations. One interesting question too is why in the world did she call 911, which I do also think that's interesting and maybe it just happened in the kind of panic because she didn't actually speak to the 911 operator. She didn't say I wonder if um, some phones and some cars, I don't know like how new of a car it was, which is a lapse on my part because... But some cars and some cell phones, like my phone has a car accident detection thing. It'll automatically call 911 if it detects you're in a car accident. Hmm. And I know some cars, if it detects you're in an accident, like OnStar and things like that, they'll call 911 automatically for you. And from the kind of transcript where she said home, like maybe she was, I don't know, but then in saying that it could have been just part of a sentence that was caught, do you know what I mean, like at the start of the call. Yeah, um, she was like, maybe she was just like, let's go home. <laughs> I, I feel like based on what was said in the call, she maybe didn't mean to call 911. It just happened automatically for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah, so I, I was like, maybe it was like her phone or the car or something. Whose phone? Was it her phone? I that, don't know. I haven't I guess, heard that either. That, they haven't really said like where the 911 call came from. Yeah, so it would be interesting to hear, find out if we learn more about you know, why why they called or whose phone it, they called from. Yeah. Just and also so many questions. I want to know why. Did Casey promise a life of romance? Was she bored? <laughs> <laughs> and that's I feel like it, 
when it was announced that she'd passed away, I think even the sheriff was like, we really want her to survive because she's the one who can answer all the questions. And yeah. Then, so I feel like there's going to be a lot we will never, ever know now that she's unable to talk about it. Yeah, it's a real bummer. I just looked on my phone at the car crash detection thing. It says how it works. If your phone detects that you've been in a severe car crash, the Pixel will vibrate, sound an alarm, and ask if you need help. If you don't respond, Pixel attempts to contact 911 to provide your location and car crash data. So maybe some other phones have something like that. Interesting. Someone said, I 100% believe Vicky was in charge of everything that happened, which I also agree to a point because she is the only one who could have got him out. Like I have no doubt he probably manipulated her in some way, but she still was the one who had to carry through with all these plans. Yeah. I mean, maybe what I said before, like I said, that was just one scenario but could be totally wrong maybe she was the mastermind and was just looking for some dumb asshole to break out of jail with her yeah so I I do agree that Casey doesn't seem to be the sharpest tool in the shed there was some kind of comments that they that Vicky did a trial run before the escape Um, the Lauderdale County Sheriff today said that he thinks there was no trial run they found no evidence that Vicky took Casey out of the jail previously and that the sheriff also said he believes Vicky was the mastermind. The sheriff doesn't think Casey is smart enough to plan it all. <laughs> Which is then, Did you see Brian just tweeted about James Stinson? He was the um, car wash manager. <laughs> I feel like they really hit it off. <laughs> I know. They were like besties. He interviewed him. So I'll probably have posted some of that. But the Vandenberg County Sheriff's wrote a letter thanking law enforcement and thanking James. And it says, I would also like to acknowledge Mr. James Stinson for reporting his suspicions to authorities. His actions played a significant role in the resolution of this multi-jurisdictional incident. A lot of people are pushing for James Stinson to get the reward. Um, he should. Yeah, absolutely. So Brian even tweeted about it and he says, James has never been on a vacation. If he got the reward, he says he would pay bills. I think absolutely. If anyone should get it, he should get it. And he has three grandkids. <laughs> he seems very sweet. They probably would have solved this without him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he tried and the police law, I'll just do whatever you want. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I know. And they're they're whatever. Um, Brian also tweeted that the William E. Donaldson Correctional Facility where Casey is known, is is housed, is known for housing, quote, behaviorally difficult to manage inmates. Hmm. So it sounds like they will be keeping a very close eye on him for now. We should start a petition for James. (laughs) If he doesn't get, if he doesn't get the reward by the time this episode comes out, (laughs) the maximum $5,000 reward. (laughs) so i think that's it there's not like all the other questions were just kind of the same like why did she do it we don't know um yeah um i don't know if anything else will come out but we'll obviously keep posting any updates that there are we'll keep posting to our instagram so definitely follow us there then usually if it's something that didn't come out for this episode we'll talk about it in like the start or the end of the next episode so just you just got to keep listening to every episode. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's all we have to talk about for this one. Yep, I think so. That's, I think I'm kind else. of glad. I, I'm glad. Like I, I think we had a message from someone. They're like, it's so good that this actually happened before you recorded because we always say it happened straight after we record. We've been lucky like the last couple times. Yes, yes. So we're going to get screwed soon. And this one, I think, yeah, yeah. Yep. 
we're gonna get screwed pretty soon it's gonna be <laughs> as soon as we're like done recording <laughs> i think it was alan white when we did that alan white episode and literally while we were recording they found his body yeah <sighs> the worst is when it happens like right after we record because then it's like i feel obligated to update it if it's like the day that the episode's coming out or close to when the episode's coming out then i'm like eh, whatever they know it's like a recent update but i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens <laughs> um you can find all the pictures and videos and transcripts and whatever else on our blog at truecrimesocietyblog.com you can also check our instagram where we post a lot of updates it's also a Brian Enton fan club at this point, <laughs> but it's um. I wish he would acknowledge us. <laughs> I just want to know if he knows. Like, is he just ignoring us? <laughs> I know, and it, I feel like I've explained this before, but he's just a reporter that we like that did a lot with the Gabby case, and everyone just became like obsessed with him because he's a great reporter. He's great at posting updates, and we just we like seem all to love be- him now. We seem to be on the same wavelength as well. Like there's been a few times where we've planned to do an episode and then he'll tweet and he'll be like, hey, I'm going to like Summer Wells, I think there's one. And um, mm-hmm. like there's a few other ones. We just seem to be on the same crime wavelength as him, I think. Yeah, but <laughs> it's just it's just like kind of an inside joke now between us and our <laughs> followers and listeners. So, but we always wonder, we're like, does he know? Because sometimes <laughs> we'll tag him, <laughs> but he's never acknowledged us. When they announced that Vicky had died, and I think you posted just with a tweet from Brian saying that Vicky had died, and Brian's like, "Where are you getting from? Where are you getting this from? This isn't new. This isn't news. This isn't a real news source." <laughs> no, because I put po- as soon as he tweeted it, I posted it immediately, so it was very fast. And half the people no were like, "Do you not can- know yeah. who Brian Enton is? He's like <laughs> the senior correspondent for News Nation. Excuse me, <laughs> he's the source." <laughs> But yeah, so follow us on Instagram if you just want to see those updates. Lots of updates. Post missing people. People send us stuff. We do little polls and questions like the ones we were just reading. You can follow our personal accounts at TCS Olivia and Steph some underscore. They're linked in the True Crime Society bio. So if you want to get to know us personally a little bit better, that's a great way to do it. If you haven't left us a review or a rating on Apple or Spotify, That would be a great thing to do. It helps us out. Also, subscribe if you haven't. It's a big help to us. And another thing that's a big help to us is if you check out the sponsors in this episode, they will all be in the episode description. Um, If you're ever looking for a specific code or anything, you can message us. We pretty much always answer all of our messages. Um, Sometimes people message us asking for codes and we will happily send them to you. But otherwise, they're in the episode description as well. And then there's our forum, truecrimesociety.com good spot to read about all the crimes and all that starting to like lose my voice (laughs) (laughs) because of my allergies Mm. but i think that's all this shit that i usually say oh and share it share it with everyone you know please yeah it's big help to us um always great when you shared your instagram stories really easy a quick way to do it then maybe more people see it and they'll want to listen and it'll be great for all of us and we'll all be pleased (laughs) (laughs) sorry i feel like i'm like dying suddenly it's so hot <laughs> you're nearly there nearly there i think that's everything though <laughs> right i think so yep that's it all right thanks for listening we will talk to you guys next week um we've got a little little schedule going yeah so nick i've started notes for next week we're going to discuss lacey fletcher which is one of the most horrific cases of neglect that i've ever heard of it's horrible yeah um definitely up there with 
the turpins probably just on a smaller scale. I think even worse, like, I know it's a lot, but I think even worse than the turpins, really. But... That's what I mean, like, just less people involved, yeah, but yeah. just as bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that one next time. So we will talk to you guys then. Have a great week. Peace out. See ya. Oh, 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 oh,